Yes, sir. Shout outs to the intro. It's Onk, aka Re. Let's get to it. All right, so right into it, y'all. Today we're diving into some of the many, many beefs of Joseph Anthony Budden II, better known in the culture as Joe Budden, aka Average Joe, aka Mouse. AKA Jump Off Joe Beasy, AKA The Podfather. Like, he's, he's no, he's got a lot of monikers up in here. Like, um, but yeah, besides uh, 50 Cent, I'd honestly say 50, um, sorry, <laughs> besides 50, I'd honestly say Joe Budden's career is pretty much more, well, his rap career is more well known for the fact that he's had arguably some of the most beefs during his career uh and we can actually go down that list a little bit like let's see um off the top of my head there was uh there was jay-z there was g-unit um ransom saigon prodigy lil b the bass god um eminem wu-tang and drake even <laughs> but to be honest i don't think i ever fully listed all of the rap beefs that he's had over his career but who knows? I may have to expand this one to uh into a multiple multi-part episode. This one's this one's interesting. Man. That's just the beefs that he has as a rapper. Like I didn't even really get into um the list of 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 the beefs that he got into when he became like a podcaster media personality. You know? He just started a whole slew of other beefs, like including like Migos and 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 Vic Mensa and like, I don't know there's there was a lot anyways um I don't know man because especially just like have a career as a chef with with all the beefs that he's been involved in like sheesh man like a little much right don't you think <laughs> let's get to it yo let's go yeah you know what's funny though it wasn't even really till i started going heavy on the research that i uh, realized that a lot of people actually don't know that joe budden was originally a rapper like not just a rapper either like he was a damn good rapper too like i'd say his bars were he was like it was like the bridge between you know the lyrical miracle conscious rappers or the backpack rappers and 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 like the super aggressive gangster rap rappers like he was like uh an in-between because he didn't he didn't really fit on either one he didn't fit with the backpackers but he could hang with them like in terms of like lyrical miracle uh uh punchlines and bars and stuff and he wasn't like the the super aggressive gangster rapper type either because you know like he wasn't like in the streets in that in that same capacity but um no, like those were the type of rap bars that we were really accustomed to in like the late 90s early 2000s so so if like somebody came with something a little different and it's like everyone kind of gravitated to that a little bit well the ones that were checking for it i should say but honestly there's probably like a lot of rappers that you've never heard of <laughs> that uh like if you weren't part of the the mixtape era like if you weren't listening to like rap heavy uh during the mixtape era and just like 
seeing all of these i'm i'm sorry but the mixtape era was like amazing it was like these guys just like would 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 get on a beat and just start rapping like they didn't care about monetizing it or it was more for promotion like like if they could get on on one of the the uh, dj's mixtapes and then just blow up off of one track off the mixtape and then they could, they could they could um flip that into like maybe a record contract or or a single with like a bigger artist and and just like build their career off of that you know because like a lot of these guys they actually did blow up through the mixtape era i mean i call it the jacking for beats era because like literally we just take beats from other people not pay them for it and just like you know just do your thing on it like that's mostly what it consisted of well it was mostly the djs that would do it though so i don't know i guess there was a way that they were able to maneuver through that without having to pay but then somebody changed the game and now like everything's fucking monetized like everything even mixtapes are monetized it's bullshit man like man sometimes sometimes you just want to like you want to just like grab a beat but you can and then it's like yo do you have the uh do you have the authorization for this did you did you get the clearance and like then you just gotta start talking to them like better learn how to lie like me i'm gonna lie to me a white man to lie to him right now <laughs> oh man i mean it was a beautiful time man for for, for the fans for the fans of hip-hop anyway like because everyone was succeeding like it helped grow the careers of so many like djs even like dj clue dj envy green lantern clinton sparks like hell even even dj vlad hosted mixtapes back back in the mixtape era like crazy anyway back to joe so a little backstory on him first joe was born in spanish harlem new york but he uh grew up and repped new jersey city rep sorry jersey city jersey city new jersey the weird way like you know how, like they add city to like the city like for example new york city new york why it just it's weird whatever um anyways for the majority of his career he uh lived in jersey city new jersey and um his music initially gained a lot of traction in like 2002 on the mixtape circuit because like a majority of the popular mixtape DJs back then were mostly all based in New York to to to, to be honest with you like um Joe's biggest mainstream hit to this day to this day is and forever will be everyone knows that song even if you weren't into hip-hop back then music back then like i remember this like everybody know this song like this is pump it up like it was like all over the place it was it was on madden soundtrack and if i remember correctly it was on like one of the one of the soundtracks for one of the fast and furious movies which one was it like not the first one i know it wasn't on the first one i think it was like the second one because I don't remember watching Tokyo Drift, but I do remember watching Too Fast, Too Furious. So I think it was on Too Fast, Too Furious soundtrack. But, um, you know, funny story about that song. <laughs> the producer of the beat 
Just Blaze, Just Blaze, um, originally offered that beat to to Jay Z, who was also Joe Budden's label mate on Def Jam at the time. Um, Jay actually turned down the beat initially, so I guess Joe got the beat, and he actually made it a hit. Like you know. Now this actually brings me to our first beef in the timeline here. I mean, technically it's not the first one in the timeline. Like we're gonna be all over the place with the timeline, but the first one that that really pops up because uh his beef with jay-z was 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 quite interesting it's it's pretty petty like it's funny and it's very 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 petty <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna show you how, how how petty it got i'm gonna show you how petty it really got Most of Joe's beefs actually tend to be based on like super petty reasons. Like, honestly, like artists are mad sensitive. Like, I I know you hear that a lot, but even the ones that portray as being like the coolest guys around or like the hardest guys, the most non-feeling ones, they get roped into petty beefs for, for the smallest things too. Like, anything can set these people off. Man, they're artists. Like, they're they're sensitive about their craft, right? so many sensitive susans in the game it seems <laughs> um so what makes this beef kind of funny is that through the whole thing daisy never actually like mentions joe's name <laughs> like he never actually mentions his name but to be fair that was kind of like jay-z's thing he would like take subliminal shots at people so as to not give them like any kind of like uh hype although it is a little bit ironic because when 50 was like coming up and he did that how to rob song where he was like pretty much just going at every rapper in the industry like 50 had a had a bar for for jay-z i'm pretty sure what jigga sold like for melee got something to live for he don't want a nigga putting foe through that bentley coupe door and i remember jay's response was um actually mentioning 50's name <laughs> i think that i i think it actually personally helped 50's career greatly at the time too it's like what, what was the, the the track called again um it's hot yeah that's the name of the track it was it's hot and um jay was like go against jigga yo ass is dense i'm about a dollar what the fuck is 50 cents jeez jeez anyways anyways back to joe versus jay um so after pump it up dropped and it got super popular I think it reached like number 38 on the Billboard Top 100 charts. Like that was the peak. And due to the success of the single, Def Jam decided to like release Joe Budden's debut album, um, which was unceremoniously titled <laughs> Joe Budden. <laughs> really? <laughs> Just named this album like uh, Joe Budden. Wow. That's that's so creative, man. <laughs> anyway, the album eventually went gold. So in order like to maintain the the wave of the, of the album, I guess, Joe tried to get like a bigger rapper, and who also happened to be his label mate, to like try to jump on the remix to pump it up. So like you know, help promote. It's something you would usually help your label mates with, right? Normally, that's not an issue, right? For most people, but not in rap. <laughs> Cause your your coworkers are essentially your rivals too sometimes. Like one of the, 
it is one of the most rival based industries around like you can you can be on a song with one rapper today and tomorrow they're on a different song throwing shots at you or they could be throwing shots at you on the same song because you guys like didn't record at the same time or something that's that's that actually happened before with the um when uh in in g unit when uh when when the game was kicked out of g unit and uh they did a hate it or love it remix there was a hate it or love it remix and like everyone originally had already recorded their verse and before it got released the game decided to re to, to redo his verse and his verse after he redid it it was like it's taking shots at the people that are also on the track with you so it's like oh what the <laughs> anywho uh so yeah so according to, to joe he asked the label to like reach out to jay for the remix because jay-z was his favorite rapper in the world and they're on the same label and it just makes sense those are joe's words um so word gets around to jay that joe wanted to meet him so jay invites him to, to the studio <laughs> jay invites joe to the studio <laughs> that sounds like a rhyme what the hell uh so anyway joe chopped it up with jay and asked him to to get on his song yada yada and jay told him he'd think about it um so some time passed uh jay gets back to joe and he tells him he'll give him a verse for the remix for like he, he said in a, a crazy ridiculous price i think it was like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for just the verse basically it was just like a price tag that uh that a brand new artist would not really be able to afford so it was like you know like pricing people out and stuff like that so being the emotional dude that he is joe decided to do the equivalent of the i'm taking my ball and going home you know like and essentially said uh daisy can't do the remix i'm not doing the remix give me my beat i don't want you rapping on my beat <laughs> that's that's basically what he said like i'm taking my ball and going home like <laughs> you know what i mean like what the hell um so so the petty games begin right so two weeks after after all of that all, all of that went down uh jay releases his mixtape uh s carter collection the s carter collection mixtape and the second track on the mixtape <laughs> was a uh, pump it up freestyle <laughs> the opening lines of the freestyle though or come on like help you can't tell me this isn't petty the opening lines are give me that beat fool it's a full-time jack move <laughs> come on not gonna lie like hope kind of just skated all over this beat like he really skated all over this beat and like, y'all should check it out pump it up freestyle it's like you can probably youtube it I'm, I'm not gonna put it on here in case they you know copyright strike me i don't want to get copyright striking even though i'm just like a new podcast i'm just like young 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 podcast i'm just starting out you know just i don't want to i don't want to get attacked by, by 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 them big folks you know uh but you know without ever uttering uh joe's name once he uh he went from saying joe's like comparable to harold Meyer. <laughs> Harold Miner? <laughs> Harold Miner? Oh my god. 
Yo, for 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 like the basketball heads, Harold Miner, aka Baby Jordan, he was like dubbed the next coming of Michael Jordan, like back in ninety two, ninety three, I think it was, because he was like such a beast in college run at, at USC and everything. Um, although Miner did end up becoming. <laughs> He did end up joining the NBA, but he pretty much became a bust, like, after joining the NBA. Like, kind of sad, but, like, that's that's pretty funny, man. Like, it's, it seems like an apropos comparison because Joe's um, rap career didn't really end well. He, even though after, after he retired as a rapper, he's still successful, like, now. But, I don't know, like... He had a pretty Harold Miner rap career, like if you will. I mean, it does see, sound harsh, but at the same time, it's almost like Jay essentially predicted Joe's rap career. Or maybe, maybe it wasn't a prediction. Maybe he set it up in such a way that when he started this, I don't know, like you can get to the levels of petty that are, I don't know, man. I, I don't put anything past these artists, man. Sometimes they can get to levels of petty that even even I even I am just like floored by. But yo, really? Like comparing the man to Harold Miner is crazy. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Um remember I said that this beat was originally offered to Jay-Z before it was given to Joe? Well, that may also be part of the reason that Jay even dropped the freestyle because the original intent for the song was supposed to be uh, Rock the Mic Part 2. Like, if y'all remember Rock the Mic with, like, Beanie Siegel and Freeway, like, the whole state property thing because they were signed to uh, Rockefeller and, and all that. And, like, you know, it was supposed to be Rock the Mic Part 2 because Rock the Mic was very successful. And I guess Jay-Z seeing the success of Pump It Up it kind of likely got under his skin a bit. Like, I don't think it really had anything to do with Joe himself. He just happened to be a victim of circumstance in this instance, I, I believe. I believe. But all right, moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> the beef between Joe and G-Unit. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all right now. <laughs> Majority of these beasts you're gonna hear about are all based around some petty ass shit, man. <laughs> like, it's really just fucking petty. No, 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 no. So, we're aware that Joe started buzzing like around 2002. But at the same time, 50 Cent was taking the whole world by storm, essentially, like with hit after hit after hit. And, you know, you know how it is in rap culture. Like, you always want to compare the hottest rapper to the new up and coming uh, guy, right? Like, and around this time, there was rumors forming that 50 Cent didn't really like this new Joe Budden guy. And these rumors would be confirmed in 2003. <laughs> When Double XL Magazine featured 50 himself as a guest editor, um, specifically in a column titled "Set Your Rap Game Up," right? And 50 kind of like critiqued one of Joe Button's songs called "Focus," where 50 wrote, <laughs> "Focus was trash." <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and that Joe had uh, no street credit. 
And he even continued on to call a specific bar on the the focus song is trash. <laughs> the bar in question, though, it was um, what was the bar? It was a uh, like. No team could beat us. We pump diesel. I ain't talking about jeans or sneakers. Wait. I personally think that was a good bar. <laughs> but hey, rappers going to be petty. So in classic early 2000s fashion, Joe decided to hop on a DJ Clue mixtape track called Bang Out. Send a subliminal shot at 50 without mentioning his name, of course. Obviously, he's, he's, he's taking uh, notes from, from Ho. The line went, uh, rearrange jeans and features, pump diesel. I ain't talking about jeans and sneakers. Think about it. You jump, I box out. What good is your bulletproof truck when you gotta hop out? Damn. Damn. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This guy said rearrange jeans and features. Jeans, like, uh, like your DNA and features like your face like basically fuck you up in the face right rearrange jeans and features pump diesel i ain't talking about jeans and sneakers like you know the jeans you wear and your sneakers damn think about it he said you jump i'll box out what's good is your bulletproof truck when you gotta hop out come on guys that was come on That was subliminal, but like, come on, that's extremely obviously aimed at 50 because at the time he was like known for riding around in a bulletproof vehicle and he had recently released a mixtape called Bulletproof. Come on, guys. Us as fans were excited because like it just meant more music and just like hard bars to, to, to listen to and, and watch. But the consensus in the streets at the time um, was that this Joe Budden guy could and would outshine 50 Cent lyrically. And anyone who knows about Joe Budden's rapping ability, that was not even a question. <laughs> like, there was no question about the validity of that statement. <laughs> but 50 was already trending worldwide and on his path to stardom. So in epic Jay-Z fashion, I'd say, he decided not to deal with Joe directly at all. But rather, he kind of like sent his own lyrical monsters um, after Joe instead. Uh, that being thus thus began the joe budden versus lloyd banks back and forth Jeez. those were those are some crazy crazy bars going going back and forth i mean lyrically i think this back and forth was like very fun and it was it was just really it was all really in the spirit of competition right there was no like bad blood or anything because it was just two heavy punchline based artists going back and forth with with dope bars because like eventually eventually like years later after all of the all of this and all these guys grew up and stuff like they're actually cool now like joe has done tracks with lloyd banks and banks has done tracks with joe budden but um at the time of the beef let's uh <laughs> let's go into the the beef now like banks's first shot at joe was on the g unit radio mixtape it was called uh the track was called no peace talks and on the song <laughs> motherfucking star banks raps and it ain't hard to tell you flopped on your last tune because your dressing room's the size of my bathroom <laughs> hold on 
<laughs> what did he say? <laughs> and it ain't hard to tell you flopped on your last tune Cause your dressing room's the size of my bathroom If I'm at the dealer, I ain't browsing, I'm buying These rappers can't spend a hundred thousand, they lying Bro Bro Come on Holy Wine. So, so then Joe fired back with a line on his song of uh, blood pressure with a way more obvious shot. <laughs> I can still be considered somewhat subliminal, but like, no, nah, this one, this one's pretty obvious. Like, you be the judge. <laughs> Joe goes in jurors where they tuck heat and love shanks, and we keep money under the mattress. Fuck banks. I'm pretty sure that was come on. Is that subliminal? That doesn't sound subliminal. I'm gonna say it again. He said in jurors where where they tuck heat and love shanks and we keep money under the mattress. Fuck banks. Holy. And however, on the same song, Joe actually took shots at G Unit's newest member as well at the time, the game. He had just like done a song with Jim Jones for like some added context um the song was called uh, certified gangsters right so this shot that uh that joe took was also just pretty obvious so uh joe joe says later on in the song and if game is a certified gangster who's giving out certificates illegitimate y'all niggas believe in him he's yesterday's paper guess nobody's reading them <laughs> oh man <laughs> yo <laughs> Man, this back and forth was just mad fun like honestly it was just crazy bars back and forth like i, I really enjoyed doing the doing the research on this because i'm just going back and just it's just the nostalgia of it because I, I remember all of these songs and just like looking back on it again you're like yo these were some bars like bars anyways so then banks hits back with uh with another subliminal on the mixtape track called squeeze first and banks goes I know you're focused and you've been writing, but all your begging is chewing off my ear like Tyson. <laughs> this shot was again in reference to one of Joe's failed singles called Focus, which 50 Cent also called Trash. So Joe would eventually mention on uh, on a Hot 97 interview that, uh, that he had a talk with 50 and he told him that he had no problems with G-Units. So after the conversation, things seem to have settled on the B front for a bit. Um, that is until Weird Ass Joe said a line on his mixtape song. Uh, the song was called Cross Country Connections. And it seemed like quite an obvious shot at the entire G-Unit. Because the man, the man goes, bang and clap you, pump it, pump aim it at you. Sorry, sorry, no, hold on, let me, let me pull that back. Bang and clap you, pump aim it at you. He should be in the G-Unit vid with the gangster, with all the gangster actors. The problem with this particular song was that the game, <laughs> who was a member of the G-Unit at the time, was also featured on the same song. <laughs> like, so a little bit about the mixtape era is like a lot of the times, like these rappers, they just do freestyles for like, uh, 
like I said earlier, they just do freestyles on other people's beats, right? For the DJ, who's who's whoever the DJ is that's hosting the mixtape, will like provide the beats, and then you just rap on it, right? Like you don't you don't usually know who else is gonna be on it because you're just doing a freestyle, or you assume you're just doing a freestyle. I mean, like. So like there's there's there were instances where the DJ would get like multiple rappers to do a freestyle on the same beat and then just put it together as one big song or or like different different songs. It depends. Like it really depended on the DJ. And majority of the time these rappers aren't even aware until like the mixtape is released who's gonna be on it and whatnot. So in this instance, the game actually just did like a freestyle for DJ Clue at the time, and Clue basically put Joe on the same song without without uh, um, without game's authorization. But I don't know if he actually needed authorization because again, the mixtape era was weird. Like just like everyone was just doing whatever. Um, and it's kind of ironic too because DJ Clue was a huge part of the founding of the rap collect collective called Desert Storm. Who was like a juggernaut in the mixtape era like desert storm uh basically consisted of uh rappers fabulous joe budden paul kane ransom and hitchcock who they made up uh the a-team like together ransom and hitchcock they were a duo known as the a-team and uh the last member of um uh, desert storm was a uh, stack bundles r.i.p to stack bundles um for those that remember all these guys that i just mentioned were like lyrically some of the best like as a collective like individually they were all really good but as a collective holy shit you'd be hard pressed hard pressed to to find another rap group that could like go toe-to-toe with these guys lyrically like maybe 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 the locks maybe the locks like that's how that's how hard pressed you would be to to like find an actual another um um group that that was like that could compare lyrically like if they were to do like a back back and forth just bar for bar yeah like crazy um i mean like back in the day like we listened to a many a desert storm mixtapes many g unit radio desert storm like all of these but uh joe claims and maintains to this day that he wasn't actually dissing g-unit at all uh the line in question was actually a reference to the uh the actors in the beginning of the popping them things music video like y'all remember the mu- uh, the music video for popping them things where you had like uh they all rolled up to like what was it like that 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 airport hangar and they're all like surrounded by like all these uh representatives of like different gangs like you had the 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 the, the bikers uh what looked like the mafia and, and whatnot like you know if y'all don't remember just go watch the popping them things video i'm not i'm not gonna explain that in detail <laughs> come on <laughs> but anyways like I kind of get what Joe was saying. Like he was referencing the actors in the actual music video. I mean, that's fair looking at it from Joe's perspective, but like, come on, when you look at it from, from the game's perspective, that's like, that's not a good look. Guy literally just signed with G unit and like, he just got into to New York and already he's off to a bad start with his boss and the rest of uh, his, his crew, like by just being featured on a song with a dude who's literally dissing his new crew. Like, come on. 
I don't blame the game either. So the game did the obvious thing that a sensitive rapper would do in this situation, and he dropped a whole diss track <laughs> called Buttons. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm not really sure why, but for the longest time, people would like always add an S to the end of Joe Buttons' name. <laughs> like Joe Buttons. <laughs> Joe Buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Buttons. Anyway, anyway, um, in the track, game uh, mentions that uh, that Joe's only hit was "Pump It Up," and that he can't sell records, <laughs> that he's broke, and that and that he saw Joe at an NBA All Star game with, with no jewelry on. <laughs> Well, yo, why do they care so much about like flashing jewelry? Like back back then, like I didn't really understand it because Joe now, like even though he failed as a rapper, he's he's actually a very smart man because he was able to um, maintain his wealth by um, by doing real estate in uh, in uh, northern New Jersey. So. Maybe it's actually a good thing that he didn't spe- waste his money on jewelry. And even even though he's failed as a rapper, his single, that Pump It Up song, actually was very successful. And to this day, I'm pretty sure he still gets royalty money off of that one song. Just that one Pump It Up song. I think like a couple of years back, he said he would st- he was still getting like something like 18000 a month from that, which is crazy. But uh, anyways (laughs) Personally though I gotta admit Joe is really nice with the bars Like his his rebuttaling Like when he's rebuttaling or taking shots at people He's nice Cause Joe fired back With a song called Game Over Where he took shots at Game And even had a bar for Lloyd Banks again First he makes fun of the game For not having his own style And says like Dude wanna be Dre, Ren, Ice Cube, or Easy, but you ain't them, alright dude? Believe me, your sounds su- your sounds type trash, tell Banks to ghostwrite, but but then you sound like Fab, get sound like blah. Wait, what? Oh, that was that was terrible. Let me let me let me pull that back. Oh my god, what I can't read today. Oh my god, alright. So he said, dude wanna be Dre Ren Ice Cube easy, but you ain't them, alright, dude? Believe me. Your sounds type trash. Tell Banks to ghost right, but then you sound like fab. Get a sound like that. And of course, my favorite bar from the song. <laughs> Got a big chrome friend that I took along with me. And I brung that since you like sucking on 50s. <laughs> hey yo! Oh no! No! (laughs) That was crazy. Nah, that was actually crazy. But of course, the game had to hit back. So, on his song, 200 Bars and Running, where he literally raps for 10 minutes straight, just dissing different artists honest but honestly 10 minutes my guy 10 minutes 10 
minutes. No, just no, man. Stop. What are you doing? This is too much. 10 minutes of rapping like anyways his shots and joe kind of accused joe of snitching for some reason so game kind of goes they trying to take me downtown put me under the court because joe budden told him i carry a gun in new york and homie that's strictly facts he got ripped on whack so he snitched just to get me back <laughs> i don't know if that's true it sounds funny though <laughs> it made me laugh <laughs> i just read it like i don't know it made me laugh but man, it would it would continue to go uh, go on for a while with these two. Joe just continuing to drop diss tracks to G Unit members with like nobody responding after a while. Because honestly, Joe can rap his ass off, but not much you can do when you have all of these bars for people and they literally stop giving you attention. Like it's 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 kind of sad. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of sad, man. Like at the end of the day, the beauty of this beef was that. None of their issues ever went further than like rap lyrics. And that's a beautiful thing in itself. Cause when it comes to rap and beef, like you already know, like things can definitely end badly. Just it's, it's cool when it's just a simple rivalry that just involves like some fire bars. So like everybody wins, like the fans, especially cause we just get some sick bars to, to listen to and just appreciate and discuss and, and then figure out who we think is, won that beef and whatnot you know on to the next beef um i remember i mentioned the collective desert storm right well <laughs> joe eventually had a falling out <laughs> with one of his former desert storm cohorts named ransom now ransom is probably one of the best lyricists you've never heard of i'm not even kidding you like originally he was introduced to the world as part of the duo known as the a-team with with rapper hitchcock um, another former Desert Storm member. And Ransom and Hitch, uh, I guess they went their separate ways. Like they had some kind of, excuse me, they had some kind of like falling out. Um, so they both both just ended up going solo. Um, but now the origin of the beef between Joe and Ransom is once again, kind of petty as hell. Like, but things kind of went a little far with this one like probably because these guys personally were friends at one point so so basically joe had a song on his uh mood music 3 mixtape shout out to that in 2007 the song was called family reunion it featured fabulous and the a-team ransom and hitchcock um so ransom did not like this at all um and apparently this is where their issues originally stem from because according to ransom putting him and hitch on the family reunion song was was petty to him but the real reason uh he started beefing with joe is because joe started dissing him in an interview so in retaliation ransom would go on to vlad tv do his own interview where he disses joe uh and and his then girlfriend at the time tahiri um, so afterwards they started making diss tracks towards each other and as much of a fan I am of Ransom I must say Joe kind of flamed him like pretty badly like he he really flamed him like uh first on a freestyle he did uh to Jay-Z's Heart of the City um, one of the bars he hit Joe with <laughs> no, what? wait Joe 
No, one one of the bars that he hit ransom with. Sorry, was fuck how your Glock pop off, how your flock not soft. You getting nowhere fast, being a locks knock off. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Yo, let me hit you with that again. He said, fuck how your Glock pop off, how your flock not soft. You get nowhere fast being a locks knockoff. Come on, man. Those are bars, man. Bam, he flamed this man so hard on that freestyle that he literally ended the freestyle with uh, UPS is hiring. Jeez. UPS is hiring. <laughs> Yo, this guy's an asshole, man. Um, so these two would like basically go back uh, from, they would just like go back and forth from like just dissing each other on songs, going as far as like making vlogs on each other, like actual vlogs. Yes. Yes. During, this was an era before live streaming so bands would like make blog uh, vlogs and stuff video video blogs i should say um and i'll say this about joe button like i personally think that his joe button tv vlogs uh from back in the day like late 2000s early 2010s joe was like really early in the game with vlogging uh, about his life and like the goings-ons and things I think it was really like an inspiration for some of the hip-hop reality shows that we have today like love and hip-hop i think like joe i think joe was like the blueprint for what love and hip-hop basically became today <laughs> but that's that's another story for another time uh today we're only discussing joe budden's rap beefs so anyway, both of these guys would make vlogs on each other and things started to get a little bit out of hand, you know, like, so one day for some reason, <laughs> Joe thought it would be a good idea to pull up to Ransom's block and shoot a vlog dissing him. <laughs> but things did not go as planned at all because when they got to Ransom's block, he was actually already outside chilling. <laughs> so according to Ransom, this is how things went down. He was just chilling on his block when he saw a group of guys walking towards him. So he told one of his homies to, to run upstairs to go get his gun. Um, and as soon as the group of guys got closer, Ransom said he saw like camera lights suddenly come on and then he spotted Joe Budden. So he laughed to himself and walked over. Like they exchanged some words and according to Ransom, one of Joe's mans tried to hit him. Um, which started like a scuffle and while they were fighting um, he noticed that one of Joe's friends was seemingly reaching for something so Ransom states that he apparently shot his own gun first in the air uh, but now Joe's side of the story went like this they beat up Ransom so he ran upstairs came back down and then he started shooting in the air um, <laughs> it's all crazy now note that Joe actually said all of this on his vlog and Ransom didn't really take kindly to Joe mentioning the shooting over the internet. So in retaliation, um, Ransom and his own goons vlogged themselves pulling up to the house of one of the guys who was there that night that beat up Ransom. Um, the alleged reason for this was that Ransom wanted that dude to like clear the air about what happened that night, but the dude wasn't home, unfortunately. 
and his brother answered the door instead so these guys tried to explain exactly what happened to the to the dude's brother so he could call he could call the guy or whatever but uh, the brother wasn't really trying to get involved in any way like he just kept saying he's not here yada yada i don't even blame him like if it was me like i'd have done something similar like this isn't my problem it's my brother's like he's not here like you you go find him bro like, what 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 do you want me to do anyway one of ransom's boys got frustrated and <laughs> and slapped uh slapped dude's brother on camera <laughs> i think you can still find this video somewhere on vlad tv because <laughs> it definitely went viral back then it definitely went viral i'm pretty sure so fast forward a bit um and the police eventually arrest uh were, were investigating i guess they were investigating the shooting that night and due to joe's vlog mentions of it the police ended up searching ransom's apartment for the gun and found illegal drugs as well long story short ransom went to jail for two years and when he got out him and joe actually seemed to patch the patch everything up so it was just there really was just some petty beef between friends that just got a little out of hand to me anyways but uh let's let's talk about just blaze's protege saigon now this beef was pretty short-lived but i would definitely say arguably speaking that joe may have taken like this was probably one of the first l's that that joe took on uh, uh like lyrically speaking when when it came to like him um um beefing with people like he legit took an l on this one because okay here's how the beef started back in 2007 when joe took a subliminal shot at saigon on a track he said like hit and run like saigon now this was like a reference to uh, an incident that had happened where saigon was like on stage with mob deep and mind you saigon was literally by himself on stage with mob deep and mob deep had like 20 people with them on stage right and it was like one of those artist showcases right so after saigon performed and he's he's basically dapping it up with uh with prodigy and havoc like he's it seems like everything's going cool and the um i guess the the host is is saying um to get to get uh every clear everyone off stage so we can get like the next uh performers up and one of uh mob deep's peoples kind of like kind of just grabs saigon and kind of like starts forcing him off the stage like starts like shoving him kind of like he's a child or something like the way you would just like quickly like you know how uh, uh here, here uh, analogy uh elementary school principal pushes a uh a kid off the stage after the talent show like all right all right you're you're done like just you know like kind of like moving them to the to the side just a quick move thing but anyway so the guy kind of starts pushing saigon and like that starts like a whole thing Cause like basically he's shoving him and then just like i don't know like man's just start everyone just starts uh it all looks like there's one big mess like there's pushing and shoving involved and whatever and saigon basically swings <laughs> he punches prodigy in the head <laughs> and escaped like he literally landed a punch on prodigy's head jumped off the stage and got away from 20 mans 20 mans i'm telling you right now 20 people on stage and people were clowning saigon for this but like he did the right thing first of all 
Like you got you got twenty people who are trying to like fucking beat you up all of a sudden. You 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 are able to take one out and still escape. So what? Did they expect Saigon to just like stand there on stage after he punched Prodigy and just like take a take a whooping from twenty people? Like that sounds so dumb. Like people were clowning him for this, but like, come on, man. I do the same thing. Fuck that. <laughs> you get beat up by twenty people? Nah, fuck that. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, I don't condone violence either, but like, no, there's there's no way. I'm <laughs> being a man does not mean that you're just gonna stand there and take a whooping from twenty people. Like, no, man, it's dumb, dumb as hell. <laughs> so anyways. So because of that line, um, Saigon started like talking badly about Joe on like different DVDs and stuff. Because this was also technically the DVD era. This was a lot of eras. This was the mixtape era, the the DVD era, the it was just a whole bunch of eras. <laughs> yeah, because I remember like uh, everyone was like making DVDs uh, to go with their album. Like it was a thing. It was the thing. It was like it was also like around when the beef DVDs were were coming out. Y'all remember the beef DVDs? Maybe I'll do a maybe I'll do a podcast on that. Yeah, maybe I'll do an episode on that one day. The the beef era DVDs. But um, so then, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was talking on different uh, different uh, DVDs, saying uh, how he wasn't trying to rap with Joe. He was genuinely pissed about the shot, uh, saying that when when I see you, I'm gonna beat you up, yada yada. So Joe would taunt him like, "I don't want no street problems, but this is rap. You scared to battle me? Like, where's your pen?" So basically he be, he did a good job like joe joe baited him pretty well like i'd say like joe's confidence in his pen game is really like he has he has the right to be confident in his pen game like i'm not gonna lie but i must say i don't think this was the smoke that joe wanted because i remember saigon rapped something like i mean the smart get smarter the dumb get dumber how the hell did i end up beefing with a hit one hit wonder I was like, damn, bro. Damn, bro. That was kind of mean. I'm going to say that again. He's like, I don't want... <laughs> I mean, the smart get smarter. The dumb get dumber. How the hell did I end up beefing with a one-hit wonder? Or what about when he said, <laughs> and all over the world, they got love for who? How your bitch butt got a bigger buzz than you? A man, a man. You didn't have to. You didn't. You didn't have to do him like that. Yo, why you? Why you have to mention his girl? Yo. Yeah. I don't think y'all heard that. He said, and all over the world, they got love for who? How your bitch butt got a bigger buzz than you? Jeez. Another shot at his failing rap career at the time. Like, you know, like, holy shit. Like, nah, man. Nah, that's a fight, man. <laughs> but that's it. No, but my absolute favorite line 
was when Saigon jumped on the uh, the Wu Tang beat for uh, "Protect Your Neck." What was the track called? Oh, the the track was called uh, "Pushing Buttons." <laughs> I love that name too. Yeah, "Pushing Buttons." <laughs> and Saigon said something like, uh, "He's like." And this is why I don't take this guy serious. He's bi everything, bipolar, bi curious. <laughs> Jeez! Jeez! <laughs> nah, but Saigon wasn't the only only rapper to give Joe an L on wax though. Like you'll actually be surprised to hear that the uh, rapper Lil B, aka Bass God, aka Lil Bass God, um. I might just have to do an episode on Lil B because he's he's got a very interesting story himself. Like he's very very interesting, and also he's a huge influence on the current uh, rappers of today. Like he's actually genuinely a big influence, and a lot of people don't even know that. Um. So anyway, Lil B wasn't ever really known for like his lyrical prowess like that on songs, but he's definitely got some surprising bars that that a lot aren't aware of. Like he actually had like a short beef with Joe Budden too, and he released a song, <laughs> T-shirts and buttons. I don't know which one is better, man. Like, which one's better? <laughs> Pushing buttons or T-shirts and buttons? Like that is fire. Both of these. Come on, man. Both of these are dope. But uh, <laughs> that's a pretty damn good track title, man. But I mean, later on down the road, Joe himself even admitted that um, that Lil B actually won that. Because <laughs> like, Lil B had a funny bar on that track. Like, it was genuinely funny. I actually just laughed out loud. Went something like, um, <laughs> he went, uh, shut the fuck up with those depressing ass songs. It's the summertime. Get some fucking pussy and go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's the little B, man. <laughs> Most of Joe Budden's beefs never really like went past music, except for uh, that incident with Ransom I mentioned earlier. But that's not to say that he didn't actually have encounters outside of the booth. Like, let me tell you about the time Joe got slapped by Raekwon from Wu Tang because he disrespected Method Man, bro. Like back in. 2009 uh vibe magazine dropped like their best rappers of all time list and joe put out a vlog talking some shit about uh about method man being placed higher than him on the list why why he would choose method man of all people when there were so many people on that list just beats me i don't know now i understand thinking of yourself as better than everyone when it, when it comes to like something so competitive like rap but like joe you could have picked somebody else man like really anybody else like they already wu-tang has a slogan that everybody knows wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with <laughs> come on man anyway method man um in an interview he did recently with a uh, battle rapper turned media personality math hoffa shout out to hoffa um on his show my expert opinion uh, Method Man actually detailed how things escalated where he mentioned that he actually spoke to Joe before the whole Raekwon slap incident went down. 
so he was talking to Joe um, one-on-one and in the interview he mentioned that in the moment he actually wanted to punch Joe in the face <laughs> himself but chose not to at the time because Joe was saying some real shit he didn't really elaborate on what exactly was said but it was enough to keep him from sucker punching Joe at the time so it ended with uh, Method Man giving uh, giving him some advice and telling him uh, telling telling Joe that he's a, he's a smart motherfucker and he doesn't need to go the route with all the dumb shit but after this moment, if there's any more bullshit, my hands are tied. Meth Man's a stand-up guy, man. Like, he even understands he's not going to be able to control the other members of, of Wu-Tang. Like, if you keep acting a fool, then, like, yo, his hands are tied. Like, so what do you all think happened next? <laughs> of course, in proper Joe Budden fashion, this man... On the same day, the same day that he had this heart-to-heart -heart with uh, Method Man, did some kind of freestyle or an interview and decided to mention Raekwon and Inspector Dex's names in it. So sometime later, Joe was at uh, Rock the Bells festival with uh, with his group uh, Slaughterhouse. Who would get, oh, I, I, I didn't even mention Slaughterhouse. Oh man, you know, I, 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 might, I, might, I might mention Slaughterhouse later. And uh, while he was in his dressing room, uh, Raekwon and a few Wu-Tang affiliates, <laughs> they confronted Joe and uh, Joe got punched in the head <laughs> or slapped. It's hard to tell what, what happened because some say he got punched, some say he got slapped. Either way, Joe got checked. <laughs> he got checked. So, like, don't fuck with Wu-Tang, my guy. Like, seriously. That wasn't even the only time that Joe got um, approached by um, a rapper. Who was it? A Consequence. He, uh, who used to be, um, used to be on Kanye's Good Music label. He was, like, probably one of... I remember when Kanye was, like, uh, on... When he was still with uh with Rockefeller and doing all that and and coming up, Consequence was like one of his uh one of his closest friends and and ghostwriters and and whatnot. So, anyways, there was uh there was a filming. There was an episode where they were Consequence was on uh, Love and Hip Hop. Um, Joe was on Love and Hip Hop with his uh with his ex uh, Tahiri at the time. So there was like a one of those reunion episodes and. There was some tensions building between Consequence and, and Joe Budden, and I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't even remember the exact details. I might. I might have to do a another episode just <laughs> just on on that, just to continue that. But um, it basically ended with Consequence <laughs> punching Joe in the back of the head, and after that, Tahiri, Joe's girl, Tahiri, saw, like attacked Consequence like that's that's a stand-up woman like defending defending her man at the time but <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy um but uh the next beef i wanted to mention is a bit of a weird one because this one's a little bit more street related beef than than anything music related we gotta go back again to 2003 um joe was apparently like sitting in a car with his friends when a dude in a ski mask pulls up next to them on a bicycle um, dude whips out a gun and tries to shoot the driver Then the gun jams He tries to pull the trigger a couple more times with no luck Then dude aims the gun at Joe 
um, in the passenger seat and again tries to pull the trigger to no avail. So with the gun jamming, the attempted shooter says, I'm just playing and takes off on his bike. It's fucking crazy. Uh, and Joe and his crew start chasing the dude from their car. And at first, the guy didn't know that he was being followed by them. But then when he noticed that he was being uh, followed, he's, he basically like tried to, I guess, tried to hide in the nearest building, not realizing that that building was the police precinct. <laughs> so this guy ended up getting arrested for that. Um, <laughs> you know what? Let me, let me, let me, let me uh, show you guys the, the story. Joseph Budden II, also known as Joe Budden, is also from Jersey City, although he spent his early years in Spanish Harlem. In 2003, allegedly, Joe, 22 at the time, told police he was driving his Humvee with two passengers. He said he was parked up at Gifford and Bergen Avenues at about 1.30 a.m. when a man on a bicycle pulled up alongside the front passenger's window. The man, wearing a ski mask, pulled out a handgun, pointed it at the passenger and pulled the trigger, but nothing happened, Budden told police. The man continued to pull the trigger, but the gun only clicked and didn't fire, he said. The masked man then turned the gun on Budden and pulled the trigger several more times, but again the gun only clicked, Budden said. The man then said, ah, I'm just playing, and rode away on his bicycle. Budden pursued the bike, getting close enough at Brinkerhoff Street and Bergen Avenue to see the man's face. By then, he had pulled off the ski mask. While being trailed, he managed to lose Joe on Communipaw Avenue near Crown Chicken, a half block from the West District Police Station. The man apparently realized Budden was following him and jumped off his bike, dashing through a nearby doorway to hide. However, the alleged gunman and cousin of Al B. Al, Joshua Robinson, 23, at the time, was soon arrested. Turns out, the building he'd run into was Jersey City's West District Police Station. Police found Joshua crouching inside the doorway and took him into custody, report said. Officers found a 9mm handgun on the top of the police station steps. It had a bullet jammed in its chamber. Officers also found the bike and the ski mask. He was charged with aggravated assault, weapons charges, and possibly more. Yo, that was crazy. Like, what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? This guy really could have lost his life that day, man. Like, as you as you just heard, yeah, the trigger man himself was the cousin of rapper Al B. Al. He actually has no relation to Al B. Shore. <laughs> like, none whatsoever. Uh, and of course, it was because Joe decided to... Like, the reason was because, like, Joe dissed Al B. Al uh, career at the time, I think. But at the time, Al B. Al was known like a really crazy street dude. Like, he wasn't even taking his, uh, his music serious at the time. So... So yeah, that was like a street beef that he tried to, I don't know, I don't know. Joe was uh, very lucky in this instance, very, very lucky. And so the last beef I wanted to touch on for this segment, because holy, this episode is long as hell. Honestly, I haven't even gotten to Joe's list of beefs since he became a podcaster, media personality. You know what? I'm, I might have to do a part two just, just for that segment. Like, this one will be all his rap-related beefs. 
Any, any way, the last person I wanted to touch on his beef with Drake. His beef with Drizzy. Drake. I don't even like Drake. You don't like Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. How can you not like the Drake? Um, so I think the entire beef saga between them all started with women, to be honest. Because I, th I think these guys were dating some of the same women. And I don't know, maybe they used to use the same energy that should have been put into bars, into being petty and dating each other's women or something. I don't know. You know, it's funny because even Drake has said in the past that he used to rap like Joe Budden. And if you really think about it, for those that listen to mood music back in the day, you kind of see some of the parallels. They both talk about relationship issues and really punch on lines about feelings and whatnot. So I think there's always been some kind of tension between these guys because of the similarities, perhaps. Like they even seem to chase the same women in the industry, it feels like. Drake dated Joe Budden's most famous ex, Tahiri. Uh, who once upon a time Joe actually proposed on live TV and got fully shot down, embarrassingly so. Uh, Drake went uh, the Jay-Z route, essentially, when it came to dissing Joe as he would only do things subliminally, like when he had the, uh, the line, pump, pump, pump it up. She got a good head on her, but I pump it up. I'm not a one-hit wonder, they know all my stuff. You know, you know that. Come on, man. Oh no, nah, he had he had another line after that. What was it? Uh, shoot. Let me let me pull back the. It was it was pump 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 it up. She got a good head on her, but I pump it up. I'm not a one hit wonder. They know all my stuff. You let me turn into niggas that. You let me turn into the nigga that you almost was. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna pull that back. Pump, pump, pump it up. She got a good head on her, but I pump it up. I'm not a one hit wonder. They know all my stuff. You let me turn into the nigga that you almost was. Sheesh. Yeah, I remember that was uh that was a bar from Drake uh, on uh, on French Montana's No Shopping song. That that was a bar though. That, that was a fucking bar. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, like not, gotta give it up to him, man. But I'm forever on the opinion that Joe really only hates Drake because Drake has the career, the rap career that Joe always wanted as a rapper. Now don't get me wrong, Joe is definitely successful today as a podcaster, media personality, but I think the fact that he never made it as a rapper, and this younger guy who used to rap like him, succeeding where he failed, I, I feel like it gets to him a bit, definitely more than anyone would let on anyway, you know? But back to the beef though, so after Joe Budden's public critiques of Drake's Views album, and Drake sending a bunch of subliminal shots at him on the track 4 p.m. in Calabasas. Uh, Joe decided to finally respond in the booth by releasing his first diss track in a long time. This might have probably been his last, one of his last diss tracks too, because I, I think he ended up retiring from rap after. Uh, where he lyrically flames Drake for like six straight minutes. <laughs> one line that really stood out for me, I gotta say, was... Uh, 
I just bought a new edition, you can't stand the rain Y'all say this soft nigga hard and that I can't explain Y'all think he's soul for real? I candy rain <laughs> My man really just mentioned new edition, soul for real Like, Y'all remember candy rain? Uh, I don't know, I don't know, some of y'all might be too young for candy rain a new edition, you know? Oh yeah. But wait. Joe wasn't even done there. He actually had to drop a second diss, even though Drake didn't even respond to the first one. <laughs> Making a murder part one was more about like uh the personal relationship between Drake and Joe. But the second diss called The Wake was more of like a scathing diss about Drake's fakeness and that he leeches from others and doesn't have his own personal style like ouch joe like ouch anyway i i feel like i've been kind of rambling on for too long about this like <laughs> i'm probably gonna have to do a part two to this like I, I completely forgot to mention his rap beef with with prodigy from mob deep r.i.p prodigy and again we didn't even get to the, like the beefs from when he became a media personality except the drake one but technically it was still before he retired as a rapper and we didn't even really get in depth with it because it it gets kind of deep between between these two but anyways i think i'm gonna stop right here that's all for now salute to the outro peace